Welcome to Books with Bagby, a podcast about books. In this podcast, I sit down with authors discussing the reason behind certain books that they've written, or we just sit and talk about education, music, technology, or something of the like. If you find this podcast to be your cup of tea, make sure you like, subscribe, and all the things. And share it with your friends, because silos are for grain, not education. And now, Books with Bagby. Whitaker, Dr. Todd Whitaker, author of several books on, and we're just trying to get to know a little bit about him and some of the books that he's written. Uh, so what, I guess, has been your greatest project in writing the 60-plus books you have, you've written? Well, Greg, first of all, it's an honor for me to be with you. You're truly one of my educational <laughs> heroes, and I am uh, uh, very fortunate to have a chance to know you, consider you a friend and have a chance to interact with you today. So I appreciate you taking your time and letting me be a part of uh, the great work that you do. It's an honor. And so it's truly a pleasure for me to be here today. So um, I don't know if I have any great work, you know, it's really up to the reader. You know, it's like people, I I do a lot of presenting and people go, how'd it go? And I I mean this sincerely, I go, I don't know, you gotta ask the audience. Yes. You know, I thought I was funny, but I'm pretty sure that there's people that don't necessarily agree. So. but that really is, it's really in the eyes of the beholder, I think. And so um, that's kind of, that's, I, I really believe that. Okay. So uh, a couple of your books that I've shared over and over and over, uh, of course, uh, great things teachers do differently. And the one great things principals do differently. Uh, as I taught for 13 years in the classroom and many, many tools and ideas out of that book I was used, I used as well as the principal book because of you and your video series. Yes, I, I went all in. We had the video series, watched the videos, we read the books. Uh, you're the reason I gave my phone number out to the parents on, uh, on school night, the opening of school night. And you're the reason why open house happened before school even started because of those ideas that you set forth in your book. Um, So I'm guessing a lot of the books and things that you've written are just based solely on your experience as an educator. Is that kind of true or were there other things that led to that? Um, You know, it's really funny. Some of my books are because I've read other books Mm -hmm. by other people. And you know what I think? Oh, no, they're wrong. (laughs) They're doing it wrong. And my fear isn't they wrote it. My fear is people are reading it. Ah, yes. And that'll sound really funny. My book, Leading School Change, was because a couple people way more famous than me, way smarter than me, wrote books on change. And I'm like, this is incorrect. It's not going to help people. It it sounds like that's it's going to work, but it's not going to work. And so that was some of it. You know, the great principals and great teachers are kind of two different things, even though they obviously have a lot of overlap. Uh, The great teachers was really because I was terrible in school. Mm. And and I'm really not kidding. Terrible. You know, uh, uh, some people graduate magna cum laude some people graduated summa cum laude i graduated thank you laude (laughs) and um and because of that i probably had two or three teachers all the way at least to college if not beyond that somehow got me engaged yes that somehow got me interested or maybe just got me to behave Mm. and you know what's really weird greg i started thinking what do they do differently yeah what is it they do differently and then i became a teacher 
And I can remember, I was a teacher, I was a math teacher, basketball coach. And, you know, it's, I, I taught on personality. Other people have lesson plans, but um, it was kind of interesting because I was at a very small school and some of the kids that I either had in class or were on the basketball team that I coached would be out in the hallway for discipline. And I can remember going down the hallway thinking, if you can't get this kid to behave, your job has to be a nightmare. Mm. It truly has to be a nightmare. But then there'd be two or three teachers in the school that literally it was like they dropped magic pixie dust on the kids. Oh, yes. And so <laughs> what did they do differently? And that's really where that came from. And, and as a principal, wait a minute, what are the three best teachers doing differently than every other teacher in the school? And then I've learned and I've got to be able to create it, write it, teach it because everybody wants to be great. It's, it's nothing, oh, yes. you don't have to force people, you have to teach people. You know, it's funny, the difference between teaching and telling. I just saw an example yesterday where somebody goes, if you have a child and you would like them to ride a bicycle, you can tell them to ride a bicycle or you can teach them to ride a bicycle. Mm. And if you tell them to ride a bicycle, they may or may not try to ride a bicycle, but it's probably not gonna go well. And they're gonna become disinterested in bicycling and potentially emotionally disinterested in you. Yes. And I think that exact same thing applies in the classroom as a principal. I have to teach my teachers how to be effective because they wanna be, they yes. wanna be worse than anything. And we just get confused and we think somehow we have to mandate effectiveness and it doesn't work that way. And so that was that. The great principles was based on my dissertation in which I, I identified uh, four of the best principles in the state of Missouri and four of the worst principles in the state of Missouri based on I have instruments I've developed that you give to class, you give to students to give feedback on teachers yes. and you get to teachers to give feedback on principals. That's the single best measure of principal effectiveness and teacher effectiveness. Well, then I go to the four of the schools with the most effective principals and four of the schools with the least effective principals. And I interview the principals and I interview the teachers in the schools. And I realized those four great principals have so much in common, even though they were nothing alike. Yes. There's pieces of them that overlap. And the ineffective principles literally have nothing in common whatsoever with the most effective hmm. principles. And the thing that's most difficult to understand, Greg, and I say this in a respectful way, average people do more like the ineffective people than they do like the highly effective people. Yeah, I, I would think that it's the low-hanging fruit for the average people. And they can see, I guess, I don't, I don't know, just thinking of, my years in the in the principalship and how some of the teachers would gravitate. Some of those average teachers would gravitate towards those teachers. Uh, never thought of it that way until now, but in my mind is racing. I'm thinking, yeah, oh, I can see that. I can see that. So some of it's because people look for the same excuse set. Mm, and yes. high achievers find other high achievers because they don't want excuses. They want solutions. Yes. And average people on some days want solutions. Some days want excuses. And ineffective people hang around other ineffective people because they literally live in the blame frame. Mm. And that's just the way it is. And you feel comfortable in that zone. You know, you feel if you're a high achiever, you want other high achievers because you don't want things to go wrong. You know, it's interesting. High achievers compare themselves to perfection. Yes. Most people compare everyone else to perfection. Hmm. Most people go, why didn't they do it? Why didn't they think of that? Why didn't the parents do this? Why don't the students do this? Why didn't last year's teachers? High achievers go, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I do that differently? Why didn't I approach that differently? How could I have not have realized that till now? 
Yes. And that's become they're so good because they focus on the one thing they have the ability to influence is the, on themselves. I think that's great. Uh, just one little gem out of uh, the great principles book that I share all the time. Uh, the two things, I guess, how did you put it? Uh, effective ways of changing a school, hire great teachers or train the ones that you have. And I told many, many, many administrators that we need to work with what we got. Um, just like I, it may have been you, uh, the parents aren't sending their worst kids to our school. The teachers that are walking in, they're not the worst teachers out of the college that are coming to our school. They believe they're the best they got. And right. they're, they're also there. the ones you hired. Exactly. Yeah. So I always say you got to improve them before you remove them. Yes. And actually, I, I just thought of that yesterday and I thought I'd try it today and pretend I've said it for a long time. But anyhow. Well, you know, uh, I like it a lot uh, because <laughs> we have a we have a project coach in my district and our idea is we're going to coach the teachers up or we're coach about. But I like the whole improving before removing, because that means you actually have skin in the game. You have, you're going to put forth some effort on your own as an administrator so that uh, you can figure out where that teacher needs to be. Uh, that was one of my big things. I, I, all, of the teachers I hired, because yes, you always talk about, yeah, you hired them. So you made that choice. Uh, if I hired them, I figured there was a reason why I hired them. And whatever that reason is, I need to pull it out and have them show it to the kids or do it for the kids. Uh, and I wouldn't be doing my job right if I, oh, it's year three and I can let you go without any cause. So I could just say goodbye and find me another teacher. Uh, I didn't feel I was doing my job and doing the teacher justice if I didn't try all that I could to make sure that teacher was successful. Well, when you hire ineffectively, the problem is you, not them. Mm, yes. Ooh, that. And, ooh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and none of this is mean. None of it's mean. It's, yeah, it's, it's true. True. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and if you don't change what you do, why do you think you're going to hire better the next time? I, I don't even get that type of thing. So. Yes. Um, so anyhow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was one of those that um, uh, a couple of another, I don't know, I just think of all the things that you've said and gone through and uh, you don't have to like the students, but you have to act like you like the students and you have to show them that. Uh, there was a teacher that I hired that her former principal was telling me, oh, Greg, you don't want to hire her. She's horrible. She's blah, 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 blah. All these excuses about this one teacher. And I had to sit down with the teacher, talk with the teacher, uh, ended up hiring her. Oh, one of the big things was she's going to question what you do. She's going to challenge you on the things that you do. And I said, I actually want that. I want to be challenged. I want to improve. And I hired this teacher and it was, we had some challenges or we, she challenged me on several things because her, I, some of our ideals were not the same as my ideas and our traditions were a little bit different. However, I think it made us both better at what we did uh, because we, well, she had that psychological safety as they like to call it, to come to me and say, hey, Mr. Bagby, uh, I think you're wrong here. And it's one of those things that we have to be willing to be wrong, so to speak, uh, to let teachers have that ability to come to us and talk to us about where they may think that we're wrong. I, I, I don't know if you've ever felt, or if you believe that you should be that open with teachers, but it was one of those things where I believe that I needed to have that space where teachers can come and question some of the things that I did, uh, not necessarily all the things, but yeah. Well, Greg, as a principal, the teachers can either share it with you or share it in the teacher's lounge. Mm. 
and no one in the teacher's lounge can do anything about it. Yes. You're the only one that can do something about it. And if they're sharing it with you, typically they really do want improvement. If they're yes. sharing it in the teacher's lounge, typically they really want uh, the room to complain. Yeah, they want an audience. Right, exactly. And so when they come to you, I think it's really important that you recognize them. You know, it's really funny. I said, if somebody good, it, and this is funny, this just popped in my head yesterday too, which <laughs> tells you what a weird day I had. But anyhow, somebody compared to teachers sharing their speakers. If a great teacher comes to you and you don't listen, their voice gets quieter. Mm. If an ineffective teacher comes to you and you don't listen, their voice gets louder. And you want your great teacher's voices as loud as they can get. And you want your negative teacher's voices as quiet as they can get. And see, but if you don't listen to them, do you see how the good people get quieter? Why oh, would yeah. I share again? Why would I do this? There's no value in this. And you know what? The poor teachers get louder. They feel more empowered since you didn't listen to them. That doesn't mean you have to do what they said. I didn't say you do what they said. I said you listen to them. Yes, sir. That's a difference. And I always say before I, before I decide discipline with a kid, if a teacher sends a kid to the office, I go and ask the teacher what they think ought to happen. And the reason I do that is because they're going to share it with somebody. You might as well share it with me. Yes. Because nobody else can do anything about it. And that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be able to provide context for my thinking and how come I'm choosing this particular aspect for discipline. And good people really appreciate that. They really just want to understand why. Yeah. They're smart. They know it isn't just them. But I've got to provide that context for people or else average people can ne will never figure that out on their own. And I'm not trying to be mean. They just won't. But oh, once okay. I teach them, now they have an understanding of it. And yeah, that's one of the things that Another story, another book, another who knows, but um, they didn't know any better. <laughs> you right. always talked about how you got to teach them because they don't know any better. And, sure. and yeah, that happens with teachers all the time. Right. Um, another great gym that I just keep thinking of, the whole shift in the monkey. <laughs> right. um, that's a book that you wrote. <laughs> and just thinking about the idea of not necessarily the blame game, but just owning things that are truly yours and not owning things that belong to others. Uh, I think that's a huge idea. And so often in education, we don't do that. Even if it's a monkey that we shouldn't even have, that is a bad monkey, so to speak. Um, were, were there incidents or just ideas or things that you saw that made you think, we need to stop this sh monkey shifting <laughs> and hold on? Yeah. You, you know, what's interesting is I think there's a couple things. One of them is the whole idea of the blanket monkey, mm -hmm. that instead of dealing with the one person, we throw it on everybody. State departments are fantastic at blanket <laughs> monkey. Yes. You know, instead of dealing with you're in Tennessee, instead of dealing with the two districts that are dysfunctional and the eight schools that are dysfunctional, they deal with all districts. And they don't deal with the two and eight because they're afraid of the two and eight. Yes. They know they don't know what to do. So they'd rather just throw it on everybody superintendents get blanket monkeyed and great superintendents know that's wrong and don't do it. Average superintendents then blanket monkey their principals. Yes. You know, you ever seen a note come around that said some principals have not turned in their grades yet? Oh yeah. <laughs> some principals have not turned in the reports. Yes. And which principals most offended? The good ones. Yes. And they're thinking, hey, Dillweed, what are you talking to me for? There's only 11 of us. Why don't you talk to those two? And average, good, great principals go, I don't want to be blanket monkeyed, so I'm not going to blanket monkey. Exactly. Average principals see get blanket monkeyed and they feel comfortable blanket monkey because they've never seen anyone deal with individual things before. 
So then the average principal talks to their whole faculty at a faculty meeting about one teacher. And they say, sometimes some of you are coming late. Sometimes some of you, who's offended? The good teachers. Yes. And you know what they're thinking? What are you talking to me for? Why don't you talk to her? She's not even here yet. Yes. And then the average teachers threaten the whole class, punish the whole class. Uh, the average coaches run the whole team because two kids skip practice. My first year as a principal, we had a field trip. I mean, excuse me, as a teacher. I was a teacher and we had a field trip the day before and a field trip bus came back at five o'clock and one parent didn't come till 730. Hmm. Okay, teachers were ticked. How could they not be? Yeah. And the principal announced at my very first faculty meeting as a teacher, I was just a teacher, said, don't worry, I'm going to send a note home with all the parents. <laughs> I raised my hand. I didn't know we weren't supposed to raise our hand at faculty meetings. I was new. I raised my hand. The principal called on me and I said, why would we send a note home with all the students? And he said, so that student will take a note to their parent. And I go, so what you're telling me is, because I don't catch on very quick, Greg, what you're telling <laughs> me is the most dysfunctional student in the school will take a note home to the most dysfunctional parent in the school mm. who will make a mental note that six weeks from now, I need to make sure I'm there on time. And the principal said, yes. Oh my. And I said, <laughs> I said, guess which parent's gonna think that note was written for them? The one whose life is driven by guilt, the yes. high achiever. They're gonna think it's my fault, I was, ahead of, I was ahead of the buses, but there are other parents ahead of me. It was my fault. I should not have stopped off and volunteered at the orphanage. <laughs> yes. You know, those kids are homeless, but they're not helpless. They can get their own soup. And what <laughs> happens is we, did, we put a distance between ourselves and good people. Mm. And the ineffective negative people feel comfortable because why would you send that note unless a whole bunch of parents were late? Yes. And I don't want the, the people not doing the right thing to feel comfortable. I want them to feel uncomfortable. And I want the people doing the right thing to feel comfortable. So I'm not gonna blanket monkey them because they they're thinking I might be talking about them, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, it makes complete and total sense. And uh, all it takes is being aware of self and how you feel and sorting out what's happened and then not doing it yourself. Yes, and, and that, that makes me think of, okay, so I'm not going to go to another book and pull another thing, but uh, the whole idea of that could have been an email. <laughs> we are having this meeting and it could have been an email. And there are many times where when I was a principal, I would get these things from the district. You need to have a stand-up meeting and you need to tell the teachers this, this, and this, and this. And I would read through and I was like, you know what? I, I can just send them an email with three sentences and the teachers will be okay. Uh, and I'm I'm just trying to think back. My district doesn't do that nearly as much anymore. Well, maybe they do. I'm not in a principalship anymore. I'm at the central office. Yes, I'm on the dark side, as they call it. But th that was always really frustrating to me, having to have a stand-up meeting or an a, a emergency meeting about a specific aspect or a certain issue when I know that my teachers were not the ones causing these issues or being a part of this whatever it was. Right. Um, if everything's an emergency, nothing's an emergency. Exactly. So just like you pick and choose your battles with students and with parents, I picked and choose my battles with central office. Uh, sometimes I would, not that I was a radical principal or a teacher, it's just I wanted to protect my teachers. And as a matter of fact, uh, I've been at the central office for a couple of years now. And when the pandemic hit and we were closing our schools, I, I was 
kind of in mourning and they saw me at central office and they said what's wrong greg i was like uh, i hate that i'm not in the school and they're like why this is the best time not to be at a school i was like i can't protect my teachers right because i knew all the crazy that was going to happen uh starting in august of 2020 and i was thinking i can't protect my teachers and i i just felt awful because of it right right no it's and that's one of our biggest responsibilities is to keep away things and that's part of shifting the monkey too yes you know what's in, really interesting think of it this way if you think of super you know teachers superstars backbones and mediocres hmm. if i'm if i'm the principal and i take a monkey off a superstar teacher and put it on me what does the superstar teacher replace that monkey with well they will try to do the best they can they would do it with focusing on the kids they'll be but, but if i take a task <laughs> off a superstar teacher they're going to pick up another them. task yeah but you know what they do greg they don't put another task they put a more important task well there you go yes that's it see and if you take a monkey off an average teacher what do they replace it with another average task or uh, if any an equal or less important task yes if you take a task off an ineffective person what do they replace it with nothing and that's what i'm <laughs> always taking tasks off of good people and putting them on me and i'm always taking tasks off of me and putting them on ineffective people mm. yeah and that's the way to balance the world because if you don't do it as a leader it doesn't happen that's not the teacher's job to stand up to another teacher that's the principal's job yes well the teacher's job is to do what's right by students all the time yep so i was at a soccer match my nephew's soccer match last week and a teacher came up to me, former teacher. Uh, she's at a different school now, which is fine uh, because I'm no longer a principal. But she came up to me and said, uh, Greg, I cannot believe what you did to us at that school. I was like, what are you talking about? You didn't prepare us for the real world. You held back and you didn't allow central office stuff to roll down to us. You didn't have, allow parents to come and yell at us and do all these things. It was like you held off all these things from us. And I didn't realize until I left your school how bad it really is out there. And I, I blame you for me being so naive that thinking that all schools were like your school. And I was thinking, right. I think that's a compliment. I don't know. Right. The one crazy parent isn't the real world. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd rather, I'd rather people not discover that, you know, I, yes. the, the, the dysfunctional person at central office isn't the real world. And I'd rather mm -hmm. not people think it is. And too often we think this dysfunction is. Yes. You know, so, so that's how come you're so good, Greg. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, since I guess we're talking about books, <laughs> do you have anything coming out anytime soon? Any other publications on the horizon? Yeah, I, uh, I've got like, four projects I'm working on. Of course you do. <laughs> one of them is called, well, if you've read them, it looks like it took me about 10 minutes to write. So keep that in mind. But uh, <laughs> one of them is called invest in your best. Because I think the only way a school moves forward is the very best people. I think everything else doesn't move a school forward. And that's not an insult to anyone. It's just true. Um, another one is called, uh, I'm doing a second edition with my daughters of your first year. Oh, that's great. Sorry. Yeah, I, very I just thought that was you pulling right. in your family and working with them, that just makes me so happy uh, yeah. with those books. I'm like, oh, well, that's such I'm, a great thing. I'm very blessed to work with them. Um, uh, I always say, if you if my kids were any smarter, you'd swear they were adopted. Um, <laughs> I'm writing a second edition of School Culture Rewired. 
Okay, yes, yes. And I'm writing a book called, and this is funny, called Turning It Around. The very first book I ever outlined when I was uh, maybe a principal, but I, I had turned a school around, literally. Mm -hmm. And I, I outlined Turning It Around and I never wrote it. Instead, I wrote <laughs> uh, Dealing with Difficult Teachers, which is a piece of it and that. But anyhow, mm -hmm. I happened to work with a school in Providence, Rhode Island, and this person had turned their entire school around using my work. Okay. But that's just what they said. They're really just using their abilities. I don't mean to take any credit for it, but I thought that's the co-author I've got now. That's the go. person I want. And we're writing a turning around, but it isn't just it, your schools at the very bottom and it's turning around. It's a piece of it. Maybe it's climate, maybe it's culture, maybe it's mm. particular instructional practices, maybe it's parental relationships, maybe it's professional growth. It's just turning any piece or the whole thing around. Yes. And kind of how to do that. But the project that I've been working on for a couple of years and I, I always write stuff here, and that's come. It doesn't take me long to write a book because I've always written it, already written it here. Mm -hmm. Is um, how to get all teachers to be like the best teachers. To so me, I've, that that is the solution to education. It, so I'm it, writing down these titles so that I, once they hit the press, I was like, "Hey, I knew this before." It, <laughs> oh well, um, and you're going, "It's even worse than I thought." Um, <laughs> so anyhow, even you know, in Tennessee, even in the pointy parts at the end. <laughs> in every school in Tennessee, at least one teacher's cracked the Da Vinci Code. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We don't need a new. We don't need to innovate. We need to replicate. Yes. I don't know how. I'm not smart enough to innovate, Greg. I am not. I am not smart <laughs> enough. But you know what? I can replicate. I can get my other teachers to be like my best teacher. But I can't think of something new because I don't even need anything new. And you know what that teacher that's had success in that school has done? They've done it in the same school with the other teachers, with the same budget, with the same principal, with the same central office, with the same governor, with the same commissioner of education, with the same types of kids. Yes. So it is possible. Oh, yes. And many people don't think it's possible. So rather than think of, I, I want to think of something doable. I don't want to think of something that's wildly imagined. We, yes. we don't need to reinvent education. We don't. We don't need to blow anything up. We have schools all over the place that are incredibly successful. We have teachers all over the place that, that are incredibly successful. We're going to blow those up. And so tell me, Greg, when do we stop innovating? When do we stop? You know what? It's funny. I, I tweeted the other day something about, and I don't know if I can say it correctly because I probably didn't even say it correctly when I tweeted, but um, great teachers are not great teachers are resistant to change, but they're never resistant to improvement. I like that. Because see, what happens is we want them to do something stupider, less valuable, or take their eye off focus, and they resist it, but they're never resistant to improvement. Poor teachers aren't resistant to change. They're resistant to improvement. Mm. If they could do less, they'd do less in a second. Yes. They would do less in it. They're not resistant to change. They're resistant to improvement. So instead of talking about change, we've got to focus on improvement. And, and, and the other thing that, that is really critical, and this is an essential thing, because you'd mentioned uh, you got two ways to improve your school, hire better teachers and improve the ones you have. There are no other ways. Everything else is a total waste of time. Is that um, it, it's focusing on that and not losing sight of that, because otherwise we just chase our tail all yes. the time. We just And when we catch it, we still have nothing. And it's, so it's just an embarrassment that we do this over and over and over. And 
but it's focusing on our very best teachers. What can we do to have everyone become like them? And we really can do it. And that's what I do. I teach people how to do it. That's what I've been presenting on for a couple of years now. I teach people how to do it. And you know what they realize? They can do it. They didn't know they could do it because they never thought about how to do it. Yeah. Because somebody's telling them to innovate. Somebody's telling them to come up with, mm. they're just, it, it's nonsensical things that someone creates. And some people make up, make up words to do things like this. And it's crazy. We know how to do it. Yes. And it's just, why do we take the harder road that never leads us to anywhere anyhow, instead of taking a road that we know we can accomplish? And sadly, I think a lot of that, maybe I shouldn't say a lot. I, I know some of that comes from, oh, how are your programs innovative this year? How are your not just from uh, district office, but also from state office. What are you doing innovative this year? Show us your new plan for what, what about the old plan that works? Right. The problem is we have all sorts of words and what we meant to say was effective. Mm. That's the problem. We have all sorts of things. And we, you know, people talk about uh, veteran teachers are cynical. Old teachers are, I mean, young teachers are, in, um, uh, 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 unknowledgeable or too immature or their generation x or their generation y or their generation z or you know what it's that's not the dividing lines effective and ineffective yes it, it isn't whether they're internal or external it isn't whether they're from chattanooga or not from chattanooga it isn't whether they're a male or a female it isn't whether or not they're black or white it isn't whether or not they're young or old it doesn't matter whether they're experienced or not it depends if they're effective and ineffective and if that's not the way you sort you can never move a school forward. I, I, I love that, especially when you even hit on that young and old or experienced or inexperienced. Uh, a couple of years ago, well, several years ago, uh, principal and I hired this new teacher. She was fresh out of college, uh, lacked experience, but she was so, she was effective. She was extremely effective. As a matter of fact, she was so effective that she made all the veteran teachers on her team look bad. Uh, central office folks would come into a walkthrough and I said oh yeah we're gonna go right here to this classroom how long has she been doing this uh three months and right. it was just a, amazing to see how this teacher worked and yes I made her team leader well not team leader but the team model she would always model her instruction inside of the faculty meeting and people would say but she's a first year I was like yeah but she's doing it right, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter if she's a first year or not so Right. No. And, and we just we sort wrong all the time. And the reason we sort wrong is so does everyone else. Oh, yeah. See, somebody else says innovate. So you feel like you need to innovate. It, it's sort of like one of the first things I used to talk about. And I, I, I don't talk about it anymore, but I'd be happy to talk about it with you um, is I talk about a poor lecturer's classroom. And I say, when you hear poor lecturer's classroom, which of those three words is the problem? And I say, I'll make it easy on you. I'll eliminate the word classroom. When I say poor lecturers classroom, which of those words is the problem? Guess what 95% of the people tell me the problem is? Lecturer. And you know what the problem is? It's poor. Right. But I, if we don't sort that out, mm -hmm. we just get rid of lecture and keep all the poor we have. Yes. And do you know how to get a poor lecturer to get to quit lecturing? Teach them something better. Yes. <laughs> they want the kids engaged. They want the kids to behave. Understand, an ineffective teacher starts to hate the kids. 
if they could get them to behave better, Greg, they would get them yes. to behave better because they hate the kids. Hmm. Think about a marriage. If the spouse hates the other spouse, if they could get the other spouse to behave better, they <laughs> would get the other spouse to behave better. We yes. don't hold back on that. And the best teacher in a school uses lecture some of the time. And they may use lecture a lot of the time, but you know what the best teacher is? Really good at it. Yes. Why do you want to take that skill from them? And the worst teacher may use lecture some of the time and they may use lecture a lot of the time. And you know what they are? No good at it. But do you know what is interesting about a poor lecturer, Greg? Lecture still their best skill or they wouldn't keep using it. Yes. They don't have a better skill. Teach them a better skill, they'll drop the other skill. When you go to a job interview, do you wear your third best looking clothes or do you wear your <laughs> best looking clothes? Of course, I would wear my best looking. And if you get a new thing or somebody compliments something you had that's better looking than this, do you keep wearing the one that's second best looking or do you go ahead and wear the best looking one? Of course, I go to the best looking one. That's Always the same thing everybody best. does in their entire life, including teaching. Hmm. We tell them to get better. We don't teach them how to get better. It's like me telling you how to ride a bike instead of teaching you how to ride a bike. It's the same thing. And you have to teach people in a way they'll accept it. That's part of, you know, if, if I don't really have any gifts, but if I do, if there's something I offer at all, it's specifically how to do it. Yes. I don't tell you how to do it in my books. I teach you how to do it. Mm -hmm. I teach you what to say to the parent. I teach you what to say to the most challenging and negative teacher in your school. I teach you what to say to high achievers. I teach you and then you can do it. And most books tell you. Yes. I, a famous person, way more famous than me in education. This <laughs> is my impetus for change. Here, here is his book on change. And I'm not kidding. He goes, first, get a million dollars. Second, get everybody on board. Okay, now what you do is, <laughs> and everybody reading that book, what do they want to know? Uh, where do I get my million dollars? <laughs> how, how, do, how do I get the million dollars? And how do I get everybody on board? If you can give me, the, if I can do that, I'm not even worried about the rest of your stupid book. <laughs> yeah. I can do the rest. But what happens is the person who says, get a million dollars and get everybody on board, doesn't know how to get a million dollars and doesn't know how to get you on board. So they skip that. Mm. And that's the part everybody wants. You know, and, and people talk about why, find your why. You know what, it's people, it's the how. <laughs> it isn't why I want kids to behave. It's how do I get them to behave? Yes. And it's kind of like, and it's funny, I just read a thing, somebody wrote a, a thing on my book, What Great Principles Do Differently. And one of the things they focused on was, and they asked me, this was just, it was this week. Um, they said, how come you said, sometimes you have to focus on behaviors before you can focus on beliefs? I said, because if you have a dug in belief and you find a better way to do it, your belief is gone like that. But if I work on changing your belief, there's a chance I can never make that work. Does that make any sense? If I teach you a new approach in classroom management and you oh, scoff yes. at it, but I get you to try that behavior and it works, it's amazing how that belief's gone. Yes. But the other thing, Greg, if you try it and it works and you keep doing it and it works, I don't care if you change your belief or not. I don't care what your belief is. I care what your behaviors are. Yes. I don't care if you like the kids. I care if you act like you like the kids. And I can't exactly. tell if you like the kids, but I can tell if you act like you like the kids. And yes. so can they. 
and, yes. and, and why we focus on this, uh, there's, there's just catch words and they sound so neat and it takes us nowhere. And it's, it's a disservice to people who want to make a difference and want to move their organizations forward. Yes. You know, in my opinion. Oh, I totally agree. And, and, and that whole idea of making sure the teachers are acting like they like the kids. I did that with my teachers as my own students, as principals. You don't do uh, that with a whack job parent who comes walking in? <laughs> oh, yeah. Of, of course. course well, hey, good to see you, Greg. Get over here. You know, I mean, it's like, of course you do. Once they leave, you're going, oh, my land. But while they're there, you act, you act like it. Yes. And, and I think it makes all the difference in the world. Especially you for <laughs> much, you have much more control over that than how you feel about them. Yes. And a lot of the parents in my situation would come in and they didn't have a positive experience in schools. Right. So I figured if I could make sure that they had this positive experience, at least between the two of us, uh, then that's a step in the right direction. Sure. Right. No. And it's, and it's that same way, you know, the best teachers have favorites. The yes. kids just don't know it. Mm -hmm. You know, in a great teacher's classroom, every kid thinks they're the favorite. Yes. But they have kids they like better than the other kids, kids they like less than the other kids. They just don't treat them that way. Yes. I, I remember my third grade report card. I fell in love with this teacher. He uh, wrote in my report card, I wish all my students were like Greg. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then many years later, I thought, wait a minute, did he write that in everybody's report card? <laughs> right. He probably did because he was just such a good teacher and engaging and all the students loved him. And this was, ooh, I say third grade, this is ooh, back in the seventies. I, and I can still remember how I felt when he right. gave me that report card. Right. Like, you know, wow. the best teacher says every year, I think this is the best class I've ever had. Mm. You know, yes. it's funny. I just tweeted, either put on Facebook or Twitter <laughs> or Instagram or something yesterday, a, uh, a video that somebody took in a class where the teacher had a bag in the front mm -hmm. and in it, they said, in this bag is a picture of my favorite student I've ever had. And every kid goes and looks in the bag. Every single kid looks in the bag and every time they're excited, everyone and the final camera shows and it's a mirror. That's great. And I get chills just telling you that. I gotta find that in. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it was just yesterday, and I shared it on something, and I don't. I apologize. <laughs> I don't remember what, but some social media of some type. Um, okay. <laughs> it may have been on LinkedIn because I didn't know. I couldn't figure out how to share it on other. Oh. I don't know. I think I saw it on LinkedIn, and I don't think I could cross format it. I didn't understand that. That sounds about right. LinkedIn does that to me all the time. I'm like, oh, oh, uh, okay. Well, I'll figure it out. Uh, well, we got to wrap this up. It's been amazing talking with you. Uh, but before we go, I have one other question. You've shared a lot of great tools, a great gems, so to speak. Is there one gem in particular that you would like to share with all the folks before we leave? I know it's difficult because you have so many great ones. No, I don't have any great ones, but I can, I can tell you this, <laughs> you know, we're kind of at, I don't know if we're at the end of the pandemic. We're hoping we are, we're near yes. the end of the school year and I don't know when this will show. And it really doesn't matter because everything I try to do nothing. I try to do only things that are timeless. Mm. You know, it's like yes. I did for two years, I've been doing workshops on uh, leading during difficult times. And I said, you know, it's always a difficult time. 
Oh yeah. Leading during crisis. All the crisis did was expose people that were doing it wrong. Yes. It isn't different. It's, it's just exposed people that were doing it wrong. And, um, Oh, one thing I want people to know is I want educators to know that you make a difference. Yes. If during this past two years, your state continued to give standardized testing, some states didn't, some states did, but in, if, if in your state, in their wisdom, if they did standardized testing and your scores fell, I don't want you to be defensive about it at all. Do you know why? Because that means you matter. Greg, if you weren't in session full-time, if you had virtual things, if you had broken schedules in terms of just the pandemic through nobody's fault, just the way it is, and your scores fell, you know what that shows that you matter. You know what would be scary? If your scores went up. Mm. See, just think if they went up, apparently you don't matter. Because Greg, there's lots of jobs that don't matter. Yeah. In education, we just happened to choose one that did. Yes. And the other thing is, you know how people say anyone can teach? You know, don't you hear that? Anyone can oh, teach? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got their crack the last two years, didn't they? <laughs> yeah they did and how come the people that are saying anyone can teach are also mad that the kids weren't in class <laughs> that doesn't seem quite right to me and it's because what we do is really special you know the best thing about teaching is it matters the hardest thing about teaching is it matters every day yeah that's why we need breaks that's why we need time off and it's not the hours of our job and people work long hours i'm not disputing that it's the intensity Yes. That's what makes education so different. It's the intensity. That's why we need time off. That's why we need breaks. That's why we need vacations. That's why we need summers because what we do is so difficult. And I want to thank educators for doing that every day. Our job is not to reflect society. Our job is to cultivate society and it takes special people to do it. And I'm glad the people that are, that care are in education. Yes. And I'm glad some of the people that don't care are out of education. I hope they do something else because yes. that's okay. You know, I oh, say, yeah. even if the clerk at Walmart's surly, at least they have self-checked now. <laughs> Quite you know, true. But, but in education, we don't have self-teaching. No. We, we've shown how much difference the teachers make. And I just want to thank them for caring so much and trying so hard. It's, it's really hard, but it, it really is worth it. It truly is. Well, thank you very much. I, I truly appreciate that because... Yes, it, just watching teachers over the last couple of years and all they poured into it. And uh, yeah, so thank you for thanking them. Last thing, one more thing, as some person would say, how can folks connect with you? If you, you mentioned LinkedIn, I know you're on LinkedIn and perhaps Twitter. I think I see something every now and then again. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Todd Whitaker. And my website is toddwhitaker.com and I don't, I don't have any people. And so <laughs> one of the things when I present or work with groups like this and whatever, I encourage people anytime they want to get a hold of call or email me anytime you want to. I don't, I don't have any people. Our jobs can be lonely, Greg. Yes. You know, teaching is the most isolated profession and you're never alone, which is incredible irony right there. Hmm. Leadership is oftentimes lonely business. I'm nobody, but if they just want to visit, they want to talk about dealing with challenging situations, want to talk about how to lead change, call me or email me anytime you want to. I literally have dozens of people that I talk to on a regular basis. And a lot of times I set all my phone calls because I travel so much. It's like, oh, I've got a three-day trip here. I'm going to talk to these 20 people during the time I'm at the airport, I'm in the car, I'm in the yes. running car. And so uh, anytime I want people, not that I'm anyone, they have experts all around them, but 
sometimes it can be lonely. And so anytime I can help someone call or email me, it's the okay. least I can do to give back to all the people that give to education every day. Least I can do. Thank you very much. So that's at Todd Whitaker on Twitter and ToddWhitaker.com. Yes. And we can find you there. And if they follow me on Twitter, after they see what I post, they can always unfollow me. I'll never know the difference. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, thank you very much for being on this episode. Uh, and yes, I, I will give you all the details and send you a copy of show notes and all the things so you can see where we're at. And I guess I will close it out as I would close out every school day for you and anyone else. Ask good questions, answer any of the ones you can, make someone feel special and be great because you are great. <laughs> Have a great day. You're awesome, Greg. Thank you so much. Thanks for the leadership you provide to so many people. Thank you.